Hello, and welcome to this episode of My 2020. As we look back on this historic year, most of us will think of how COVID-19 impacted our lives. For too many, this has been a difficult year, losing loved ones, missing out on major milestones, missing out on seeing family and friends, or losing jobs and businesses. For others, it has meant a sense of displacement. Most of us have focused on our immediate needs, but we've also been aware of the fact that we're living through a major historical event. All industries have been impacted in one way or the other by COVID-19, some more than others. The travel industry is perhaps one of the hardest hit from the events of 2020, while aviation witnessed the effects of major changes that few could have imagined. The idea of airports actually closing would have appeared impossible only a year ago. Leaders in the aviation industry have not only had to react to immediate developments, but also rethink how they run their businesses and plan for an uncertain future. I'm joined today with an industry leader who has played not only an instrumental role in aviation, but in the business of major infrastructure projects. Group Chief Executive at Etihad Aviation Group since 2018, Tony Douglas has held senior positions in a number of major companies, including Abu Dhabi Airport's company, Heathrow, and BAA. Tony, welcome and thank you for joining me today. Thank you. So tell me, how has your life changed with COVID-19? Well, I guess everybody has had a year that they'll never forget, 2020, um, for all the wrong reasons, I guess, in the main. And you mentioned, Mina, in your introduction, the way in which it's affected the lives of so many people. Uh, there's been tragedy, there's been huge personal impact. And, you know, give or take, it's impacted all around the world. And it is, of course, of nobody's making. Aviation has been one of the tougher industries impacted by this. And unfortunately for me, I've been involved in over 30 years of uh, aviation business in one way or another. And of course, during those times, there's been many crises associated to international security challenges. You know, I've been around when there's been SARS and MERS in the past. But COVID-19, I think, has eclipsed all of them because of the impact that it's had. Um, uh, on a personal level, you know, I share openly, there's been a few tragedies within my family uh, during the course of this year. So you put all of that together and perhaps it will be the year that we'll want to forget for the negatives. But actually, as I've said, I don't think any of us will forget it at all because it has had such a wide impact. And I think Etihad as a business, of course, has played a key part in the way in which humanitarian flights have been operated from Abu Dhabi. As ever, we've been part of Team Abu Dhabi in making sure that notwithstanding the problems that we face, that we put all of our positive energy as well in finding ways forward. I guess in the future, uh, when we look back at 2020, we'll probably still remember a lot of the negatives but I'd also like to think that many of those will reflect on some of the positives because for businesses, I guess, almost like managing through a recession, it's forced us all to have to go back to basics. It's forced us probably to be far more disciplined in many of the things that we've been undertaking. But it's also probably forced us all to concentrate on the things that really matter the most. And therefore, you know, the old cliches, Never waste a good crisis. 
I don't think Etihad has, albeit we've not had any other option. But also, you can learn an awful lot from the negatives. And I think, therefore, hopefully, many of us will come out of this stronger. I'm sorry to hear about you going through these personal tragedies. And at the same time, you had to make some very important work decisions. How did you balance between going through your own personal stresses and having to go through major changes at Etihad and watching all the fallout for the industry? Well, I think it's the same for just about everybody. There's times in your life when things occur that have quite a negative and seismic impact. And um, that's happened to me. Uh, during the course of this year on more than one occasion. But it's life, I guess. Uh, it happens to everybody. And I think, you know, one has to put things into perspective because whilst COVID is a global challenge, um, the one thing I can confidently predict is there will be an end to this particular problem. I've absolutely, of course, no idea when that will be, but I can predict that that will be uh, a point in time that we'll celebrate And therefore, I think the objectivity of putting things into kind of perspective is probably important for all of us. And I think, you know, the responsibility for the leaders, for all of us, is to be able to handle with a certain degree ambiguity. Because in situations like this, the one thing you can't create is what I would describe as false certainty, i.e. a handrail that's going to guide us to a solution because I couldn't in any way have expected this to happen this time last year. In fact, for Etihad this time last year, we'd made really strong progress in our transformation and we were celebrating what a great year we had, relatively speaking, during 2019, almost thinking what could possibly go wrong. And then, of course, in 2020, We entered it with the continuation of riots in Hong Kong. There was the biggest bushfires in Australasian history. There was volcanic ash clouds in the Philippines. There was the disastrous event with the Ukrainian airlines uh, aircraft. And then, of course, COVID. So what could possibly go wrong? Answer almost everything when you're in the world of aviation. But back to ambiguity, I guess it's required us to make sure that we can maintain an inner confidence to make sure if we stay focused on our guests, our customers, the members of the Etihad family who've been absolutely remarkable in the way in which they've adapted to these challenges. And in some ways, as I've already mentioned, going back to basics, there's a way of confidently navigating throughout Uh, these difficult times, hopefully to a better place. Because again, I can predict all of us will want to go back to normality, a part of which is the joy of aviation and being able to fly at will on business or on pleasure. And the sooner that becomes mainstream again, for all of us, of course, the better. It was really interesting what you said about, uh, you know, in aviation, you have these unpredictable events, you've been in aviation for three decades, and you know these things. At what point did you realize that this pandemic, that this was a major event, this wasn't just a blip where you had to adjust plans, but that this is actually going to be much bigger? 
It's a great question because I think, you know, we saw it evolve like everybody else uh, from the Far East, uh, from Wuhan. And, you know, the terminology first became apparent in vocabulary in the early part of this year. Um, at that stage, I certainly had no uh, appreciation of how globally impactful this would become. But certainly as we got into February, it was becoming more apparent that firstly, it was uh, developing at an alarming rate. And secondly, it was almost certainly as a result of countries starting to lock down and change their travel restrictions, a very big impact upon commercial aviation. And the date I'll never forget is the 23rd of March, 2020, because that was the date where we grounded the whole of the Etihad fleet. And for us, it was obviously heartbreaking, but it was absolutely the right thing to do. The wise leadership of Abu Dhabi and the United Arab Emirates made it quite clear that public safety would be compromised by absolutely nothing. And as a consequence, we then went into a aviation lockdown and a national lockdown that we can all remember. In some ways, that gave us an opportunity to do a number of things that ordinarily would have taken a lot longer or perhaps would have been more difficult. And they were as follows. First of all, we did what we call Project Cabin. And Project Cabin is almost a kind of operating theatre, surgical cleansing of every one of our aircraft. At the same time, it was the biggest maintenance programme in Etihad's history. We went for almost like detailing standard of our aircraft interiors. And the second project we did was around Etihad Wellness. So we created a completely different product that when the world came back to flying, would give our guests every confidence in flying with Etihad because it had the highest standards when it came to personal well-being and wellness anywhere around the world. Over and above that, what we also got involved in was a huge focus on flying cargo because at that time, there was obviously a lot of protective equipment and pharmaceutical materials that needed to be distributed globally. But with many aircraft fleets being parked, that was becoming harder and harder to achieve. So Abu Dhabi and Etihad played a big part in connecting the world from both a humanitarian point of view, but also in making sure that global trade wouldn't be impacted as heavily as it was in other sectors, obviously, with commercial flying restrictions. And finally, what I think was the wisest thing for us to have done is the day after we stopped flying, we looked at Project Restart, because in aviation, it's a lot harder to restart one than it is to actually uh, slow one down. So we knew exactly how we wanted to get the fleet back up and running off the back of the cargo flights that we already had in service, we were flying cargo in the belly hold of our 787 Dreamliners in particular, and then we slowly built it out. So I guess what I'm trying to say is it was a constantly evolving situation, and it became really clear as we got to the summer months that what was being forecasted internationally 
in the first quarter of this year for maybe some signs of recovery in the later parts of 2020. Everybody was starting to expect that to get moved much further out. And I think by the summer, it was dawning upon the whole of the industry as we started to see second spikes occur elsewhere in the globe, as well as many more restrictive travel policies come into play, that quite frankly, rather than just simply hoping that this is going to go away, is almost embracing the situation that it's unlikely to go away anytime soon. And therefore, how one accepts and then adapts to it is the key. And I'd like to think that Etihad, the people within the Etihad family in particular, have gone about that in a very, very mature and business-like way. Can I just for a moment go back to the 23rd of March? You said it was heartbreaking, but it was the right thing to do to decide to have the fleet grounded and look at then, as you said, the other steps that had to be taken. But just can we reflect a bit more on on you personally when you made that decision, conveying it to your team um, and also what you thought in terms of what does this mean for the aviation industry? It, it really was as I use the terminology heartbreaking, to see aircraft, all of our aircraft on the ground at the same time. Um, You know, in our line of business, the objective is to have them flying as much as possible. And uh, we all understand that. So in that regard, it was quite disturbing, I have to say. Um, But there really was no other alternative uh, at that point in time. And the Etihad family... Um, you know, is blessed with some of the most amazing people. Um, They've been around uh, aviation for a long time. And consequently, like most organizations, I'd like to think what we decided to do was just have very open adult conversations. So, you know, I'm speaking, uh, Mina, to you now on Zoom. I think that's another thing that will come out of 2020 when people look back you know, Zoom, Teams, WebEx, etc., are kind of things now that we've all adapted and adopted. And we've certainly used this as a medium to talk far more regularly to the whole Etihad family at once. So on a very regular basis, certainly at that time, probably every two or three weeks, I would speak to tens of thousands of people to explain this is our current read of the situation. We need to understand what that means to us as the Etihad family, more importantly, to our guests, our customers, and how we can use this time wisely with the things like Project Cabin, uh, the sort of upgrades that I mentioned before, but also to develop new products, i.e. Etihad Wellness, for the future. And I think, you know, like all of these situations, the key to it is making sure that we maintain a very open and active dialogue. And, you know, the media in general, you know, covers these things in great detail. And when, you know, airlines started to go in administration around the world, and over 40 of them have entered or partly entered into that process up to now, understandably, people without any other sort of input would have even greater levels of anxiety. So being able to engage in a very responsible and adult way, I think, is even more important in situations like this. But at the same time, 
the leadership here in Abu Dhabi were making sure that they were doing a brilliant job in giving insight and a regular update in terms of changes to restrictions and how we could all be far more responsible, every single one of us. And Etihad's family volunteered for all manner of things. So we had thousands and thousands and thousands of people from Etihad working in call centers, supporting the medical world, uh, supporting meal deliveries, and many other things, because I'm a firm believer that when you've got a big complement of very talented people, the other thing to do wherever possible is to keep them busy. And there's no better way of keeping busy than public service. So it's been just an incredible year, as I think I've already said, in the main for all the wrong reasons. But I think in what I've just said, there's a whole bunch of positives that we can probably take out of this as well, particularly in terms of public service and helping others. Can I ask you, what was the most difficult decision you had to make this year? I could probably talk for longer than we've got available, uh, unfortunately, um, in response to that question. Uh, But in all honesty, it's been around having to make some downsizing decisions within the Etihad family. I think you'll have seen there's been announcements almost on a daily basis um, from airlines all around the world in regard to a fight for survival and the need, therefore, to um, adjust uh, size and posture. And, of course, we're not immune to that. We've had to take responsible decisions. And part of that means that Etihad looked at its strategy, will adopt what I would describe as a mid-size carrier approach now. So what we'll do is we'll concentrate on the high-performing new aircraft fleet that we've got and making sure, basically, we play the long game now. The byproduct of that is we have had to let many members of the Etihad family leave us, and these people have been outstanding contributors to our business. This was not of their making, and quite frankly, they didn't deserve it. But in order to preserve the business, in order to preserve the position where we can come out of this stronger through the other side, it was a necessary thing to do. And for me, that was the hardest decision because every one of these people had put their heart and their soul in supporting Etihad. Um, these people all have families and you know, personal tragedies were impacting you know, many people at the same time as well, inevitable as sadly as it is. But also to our guests, because there's people all around the world that have relied for decades now on the availability and the ease of flying around the world to be connected to their family and their loved ones. And I'm sure you can probably imagine the number of letters, emails, correspondence that we receive with people almost pleading for us to be able to get back to normality so they can go about their daily lives, connect with their families. You know, there's been medical-related requirements, people whose parents are sadly terminally ill. But when you're at the wrong side of the world in a situation like this, what was already difficult just got a whole lot worse. And, of course, our business, a customer service-focused business that it was, 
was always providing part of that connectivity. And for me, those are some of the hardest things in a situation like this. And your biggest learning from this year? I guess the biggest learning in some ways reinforces things that all of us probably intuitively already know. I'd like to think I certainly already knew. One is stay positive because in the scheme of things, life can get an awful lot worse than this. So I think stay positive is the key outlook. I think it's a state of mind, uh, but it's important to have running through the veins of any business and any big group of uh, people, be they uh, part of the Etihad family or, of course, more broadly. And the other one is what I referred to slightly earlier, and that's be able to embrace ambiguity because the world isn't getting any easier. The complexity of what we face at the moment, we've seen different variations of in the past. And I think the trick to it is, is making sure that we're not grasping false assumptions to create certainty where certainty doesn't exist. And if you look at aviation, back to my earlier comments, back in Q1 of this year, you know, around the end of March time, you know, the global economists, many of the big airlines around the world, and some of the other um, well-informed commentators were saying that they believed that aviation would get back to 2019 uh, equivalents by probably 2022. So the dip would be from 20 out to 2022. Here we are now at the back end of this year, and most of the same commentators have projected it further out, i.e. a recovery to 2019 uh, equivalents to 2023. Some of them are going into 2024. Now, I guess the point I'm trying to make here is nobody really knows. My crystal ball is no better calibrated than anybody else's. In fact, I quite often joke with my colleagues here, I only realized this year, the only thing I was able to predict was a winter. (laughs) And then I realized my crystal ball I'd bought from the snow globe shop. Um, And of course, that's all it had inside it. Um, The point is, the ambiguity of the situation means that we have to adapt and adopt to the impact of COVID being part of the new norm. And I think as technology in particular has evolved very quickly in this space during the course of this year, we've seen the way that testing has been available now on an industrial scale. It's a lot faster. It's a lot more economically uh, viable. And of course, vaccines now becoming part of the solution as well. There'll be combinations of those that when we adapt and adopt them into the way in which travel will resume, I think we'll look back and say, actually, from a wellness point of view, we've been able to take a lot of positives from this as well. Etihad will have a very important role to play in flying vaccines around the world. Uh, You're part of an important Abu Dhabi initiative. So to what extent do you see your role as part of the solution and our ability to go back to some sort of normalcy? Well, I think Etihad, certainly from an Abu Dhabi and supporting more broadly the United Arab Emirates, has actually got a really important role. And maybe if I take a step back, Earlier this year, I and a number of my 
uh, you know, colleagues within aviation in general, um, were predicting the equivalence of a wellness certificate or a wellness visa or some form of electronic statement that would attest in the future whether you have been tested uh, appropriately and or vaccinated. And the reason why I was speculating that way back in March time is if we look back at, you know, terrible uh, tragedies in the aviation world, historically, Lockerbie would be sadly one example, 9-11 would be another, albeit there are a whole bunch of, of others that I could cite as well. After that, there were changes to security protocols that over time got adopted on an international level. So, for example, in the security world, whole baggage screening, i.e. all suitcases get x-rayed or scanned. Um, you know, ditto after the uh, liquid bomb threat of 2006, you know, liquids were restricted uh, in hand luggage and so on and so forth. And over time, that got adapted on a global level. In terms of COVID, we don't see any real difference, particularly given the way that the technologies are evolving, to see an environment whereby for all of us, you and I, we'd actually have an ability for a wellness certificate of some form. And of course, it wouldn't just be to satisfy ourselves that we've been appropriately vaccinated and or tested. It to give us the confidence that everybody else who's on the aircraft must have obviously had to have had that degree of certification as well. So you're assured in the way in which you uh, fly and you can get back to life as normal in that regard. I believe that that is still likely to be the case. I think we're well on the way with the successes with testing uh, already. But of course, in the last two or three weeks, the big breakthrough news around the availability of vaccines and that will, of course, be part of the solution as well. Etihad is very proud to be part of the HOPE partnership. And the HOPE partnership brings together a number of Abu Dhabi entities in being able to distribute COVID-19 vaccine, not only here within Abu Dhabi and the UAE, but also to connect it globally for countries that have the ability to uh, accept it under normal circumstances, but also countries that, quite frankly, will need it as part of humanitarian aid. And that was announced two weeks ago, the part through Etihad Cargo that we'll play in supporting that initiative is something that we're immensely proud of, because we anticipate that the next phase of this will be the global distribution the logistics of getting vaccine to the needy as quickly and as efficiently as we can. And back to the excellence that comes from aviation, and I'd certainly like to think uh, Etihad, that's playing back to our strong game. So I anticipate 2021 will actually be a breakthrough year, um, a breakthrough year in the way in which both vaccines, the availability thereof, even smarter technologies when it comes to testing and the means by which probably electronically we can all attest to that will probably allow the traveling world to be a far safer place than it ever was before, quite frankly. 
about people going back to travel. I mean, in five years' time, how will we be flying? What kind of planes? Will people go back to the frequency of travel? Especially, as you said, we now have Zoom, we have WebEx, we have all these meetings, business travel. Will that change as people feel like, I no longer need to get on a plane to have this conversation? There's a level of ambiguity that comes with this such that nobody can predict precisely what five years in the future looks like. However, um, I think history as a reasonably good place to start would always show us that aviation and the growth within aviation, the demand that comes from that will come back. For the many reasons I've already mentioned, people will always need to travel. And up to now, there is no more efficient way to do that than uh, commercial aviation. I think notwithstanding my confident prediction before that there will be an end to COVID, because I believe that that's uh, a logical thing to state, I don't believe there'll be any end anytime soon to the need for us to take sustainability far more seriously. And Etihad has for some time tried to be a thought leader in the aviation space with both the Green Liner and the Eco Demonstrator as being test beds of trying to get performance to the next level. And the reason why I reference this is I think more people will want to travel in a responsible way when it comes to the environmental impact that aviation uh, has. I think aviation that focuses on the more efficient new aircraft types and the many different things that can be done to support even better performance from them are likely to be the kind of airlines that people will choose, notwithstanding the fact price is always um, you know, the common denominator. But I think going forward, people will look to demonstrate a more responsible approach when they've got the ability to choose and choose well if it comes to Etihad because of our sustainability credentials and the effort that we'll continue to put there. So as the world has always done, um, it'll continue to change. Uh, it won't all be bad. And I believe that there'll be a lot of positives, even out of a difficult year like 2020, that in the future we'll probably look back on. Thank you so much, Tony. My very last question for you as we close this very insightful conversation. What are you personally looking forward to in 2021? Um, first thing, I'll say tongue-in-cheek, the end of 2020. Um, <laughs> I think I'd probably speak on behalf of a big part of the world's population in that regard. I guess I'm, I'm looking forward to people being less anxious around COVID. And I genuinely think we're already seeing signs of that now because of vaccines and many of the other measures that are coming into place. And I think the minute anxiety starts to ease, I think everybody will then be able to grasp upon how we get back to the resumption of normal life. And that's the thing I'm looking forward to more than anything else. I'm also looking forward to perhaps giving the Etihad family a little bit more certainty than we've had during the course of this year. And whilst that's never going to be something that's cast iron or you know, absolutely 100% guaranteed, Nonetheless, I think hopefully 2021 will allow us to give a little bit more positive direction of how we're going to recover during next year 
and inshallah 2022 come out of this in a far better place inshallah thank you so much for your time and i wish you all the best i wish it had all the best thank you thank you for listening to my 2020 i've been your host mina al-arabi this podcast was produced by arthur edison and aisha khan if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe to the series on your preferred podcasting app please also continue to follow our podcasts and reporting on the nationalnews.com